Hello, this is Dr. Paul Cottrell, and I'm going to be talking about a new book that I'm reading by uh, Lionel. He's a radio personality, and I've been watching him on YouTube quite a bit. He's, uh, he's an interesting character. I, I bought his book, Everyone's Crazy Except You and Me, and I'm Not So Sure About You. He's a contrarian. I've been kind of looking for someone since Hitchens passed away. Christopher Hitchens to actually find someone in the media that is kind of a, has a contrarian point of view and they're different they're totally from a different uh, background and, and different um, perspective or the way they articulate themselves I think Hitchens articulated himself more um, well he had a British education so he he, he kind of articulated himself with, with um, um, almost a, a British way about him, but there was a, uh, a playfulness and a, a philosophicalness in his demeanor. Um, but he could be very um, verbally aggressive, I guess, in a, in a way. Lionel, both of them are contrarians, uh, Lionel and, and Hitchens. Lionel is a different, has a different way of articulating his point he he comes from a a law background a trial lawyer and it, i don't know why he changed his name but his his real name is michael william lebron and um you know he calls himself lionel and he has his he has a, a company or called him Lionel Nation. So when I was looking for his book and I kept on typing Lionel Nation, all I got was choo-choo trains. So <laughs> I don't know if that, you know, that's uh, it's kind of an interesting Googling of it. But um, but he's a trial lawyer and it kind of reminds me of when I was studying in the Kolel when I was in my 20s with a bunch of different rabbis in, in the Detroit area. Um, the way the rabbis would articulate themselves when they when they studied the Talmud was very similar to kind of this flamboyant way to articulate a point, you know, by by looking at the total absurd um, and then coming back to to another absurdity, <laughs> but you end up really understanding what what's going on um, with whatever you're talking about. So he just kind of reminds me of someone that uh, a uh, someone that uses a kind of like a Talmudic debating style with jokes and, and flamboyance, um, a lot of hand movements. You can see that he does a lot of hand movements, and, and uh, um, but it's very Talmudic. Uh, it, it, what I remember in the Kolel studying studying with the rab different rabbis. Um, so what I do like about him is, is that he's coming from that contrarian point of view. Since Christopher Hitchens passed away, we really don't have someone in the media um, that's on the different news networks talking um, in a contrarian way. I, at least I don't think. I think there's a lot of sound bites um, and, and talking points that people are just trying to get it. Out and they just yell at each other so I kind of started tuning out of CNN and yeah you know I started tuning 
tuning out of CNN, Fox, MSNBC, and even in Bloomberg. I, I'm stop, I really am not watching Bloomberg that much except in the early morning because of what I do with portfolio trading and management and stuff. So, but the, the, um, the thing I like about Lionel is just that at least he fills a certain gap that I think that Hitchens left um, in the media, and that's that contrarian view. Even though his, his vantage point was coming from a journalistic point of view, a historical point of view, um, almost a little bit more philosophical point of view. I think that Hitchens, if you were using the benchmark as Socrates, that Hitchens was a little closer to Socrates than, than Lionel. Um, in terms of being uh, technically um, correct on the way to view certain issues from a, from a legal point of view, um, from a moral standpoint point of view, I think Lionel um, articulates it a little bit easier to digest than a Hitchens. The Hitchens is a little bit harder to understand partially the way he construct, constructed his his argument um, was a little bit more a scholarly um, philosophical way for example um, this is the only book that I know of from Lionel and it's a good book it's a it's an easy read I've read the first chapter and I'm going to be commenting in other lectures, uh, you know, through the different talking points. I'm going to try to do these lectures a little differently. Um, but with Hitchens, he spent the time to write about one particular topic, let's say about Kissinger and the, the war crimes, or Mother Teresa and some of the issues with her, or, um, you know, uh, the Clintons. Lionel doesn't go into depth on a particular topic, so it's a little bit more uh, media blitz and not so scholarly, but he boils it down to the essentials because of his legal um, upbringing and, and, and experience. So I, he's, he's different than Hitchens, but he does fill a gap that I think in the media Christopher Hitchens left. Um, so to, to Lionel's book, um, he's, uh, and to his, uh, YouTube site. I, I like listening to him. He's, he, again, he's, he's a funny guy. I think he's, um, he has a lot of common sense. He has a very large vocabulary, um, very similar to Hitchens, a little different, you know, because Hitchens was British and, you know, Lionel's American. Um, so you'll learn, uh, you'll learn humor. I think when you read the book, you'll learn uh, absurdity of certain, of you know certain topics, and the craziness of it. And you'll you'll increase your vocabulary. And just listening to him, you'll increase your vocabulary. I think he's 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 an excellent um, um, source to understand what's going on in the world or in in, in the United States too. Um, there's some things I disagree with, and then as I do subsequent lectures, I will will mention them. But uh, the, the first chapter that he writes about is about conservatives. And, you know, it's, it's, some of this is tongue-in-cheek because of his, his style. 
So someone that's just, you know, hard-nosed liberal or hard-nosed conservative would hate this chapter. But if someone is um, more in the, a centrist, uh, you know, has, that has some, uh, that likes uh, irony or, 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 um, or uh, some satire, then, then this chapter will be interesting. So the chapter is called I Hate Conservatives. So he, from his perspective, he's a, he's a libertarian, probably a true libertarian, um, probably a type of libertarian that's similar to Alex Jones. And how I discovered him on YouTube was actually listening to an Alex Jones show. Um, and then he's on RT regularly. So he's, he's interesting to, talk, to listen to. Um, this video that he's talking about is about the Constitution and if the if it's possible for for Bill Clinton to be vice president for Hillary Clinton and so he's reading part of the Constitution and, and under you know conveying to us that you know that there's certain things in it that would that are implicit there's certain things that are explicit and um, there's certain things that we just don't know. So it is an interesting video and I highly recommend you reading it. But to the chapter in the book, um, I Hate Conservatives, what, what basically he was stating is that uh, conservatives, these neocons, um, are head hell-bent on what I'll call guns, gold, and God, the three G's, right? And I'm for the Second Amendment, for sure, definitely, absolutely, positively for bearing arms. Uh, you shouldn't, uh, you should be able to carry um, and protect yourself from the government. It's not about just sport or collection. It's about being able to um, check the government if needed, um, hopefully through a peaceful means. But if if tyranny, uh, a, a a tyranny starts to uh, starts to blossom from from the government and starts to curtail the civil liberties of the the individuals, I think it's the individual's rights and obligation to overthrow the go the government. So the best way to do that is through through the means of of uh, arms, and I think arms isn't just guns. It's starting to become different types of technology. Um, I have a video that talks about arming artificial intelligence, where you know, I've done a little bit of research in artificial intelligence with some of my scholastic research, and. Um, I've come to the, the, the thought that the development of artificial intelligence can be used as a checking mechanism against other people's artificial intelligence with their big brother. You could use that artificial intelligence to fight that one. Not in a T, like a T2 world, um, you know, like the Terminator world, that's not what I mean. But they're using algorithms and artificial intelligence and machine learning to learn about you. Well, you can create artificial intelligence bots and actually go in and have them make different users on these social networks so the metrics that they're using to understand the, the, 
the user base could be totally um, false because you have artificial users in there. So this is what I mean by using artificial intelligence to fight artificial intelligence. Um, so I, I'm for the Second Amendment. Now in terms of gold, I'm, I'm, my background is in finance and, and uh, you know, a PhD in finance and, and whatnot. And, you know, I've done some lectures and written a little bit about the history of the Federal Reserve. And it, I came to the conclusion that as a body, as a governmental body, um, and it's not even a governmental body, it's kind of a quasi-governmental body because it has some, some oversight from the Treasury and some oversight politically from from the, the White House, but it's really a, truly a, a private corporation, but it's kind of quasi-governmental, um, that the Federal Reserve is needed, a, a, a central bank is needed to reduce the capriciousness of, of markets. Um, you need to have lender of last resorts um, because of the, the negative effects of, of market sell-offs that markets are what we call asymmetric, where you, you, you will have a wall of worry, but then all of, us all, all of a sudden there's this cliff of fear or cliff of, of terror when the market starts to sell off. So there's like an avalanche or a volcano eruption or something like that. So markets go up and markets violently go down. We call that heterocydastic. And you, you need systems in place to be able to fight that. So um, lender of last resort, dealer of last resort is important as a, as a healthy economic system. Now, when you take it to the next step and allow the central bank to be bailing out the banking industry, the financial industry, using it as a means to be able to adjust interest rates for war footing when we go into a war or use the central bank to do currency wars um, then you start then you start having a system that I don't think that that it's creating a healthy ecosystem a healthy eco financial system so there's benefits of a central bank but there's also drawbacks especially if there is um, too much government intervention in the monetary policy. Uh, it can't be laissez-faire, but it can't be completely regulated. So there has to be this, there has to be a middle ground here. So I'm for central banking, but it, it, the way it's being used today, I think is, is um, just promoting more derivative um, instruments and, and counterparty risk that eventually will collapse. And, and there's a lot of debt that's related to these, these cash flow obligations. So uh, it, Minsky, uh, uh, Hyman Minsky, you know, writes about, you know, this, this building up of stress and, and then all this in, in new, new financial products. And all of a sudden there's a crash, you know, that uh, we'll have to, there's this, this cycle, there's these cycles of boom and bust in, in the financial markets because of these new types of financial instruments. And then the, the concept of the, the typical conservative that's, you know, the, the 
God conservative kind of thing. This is where I think Lionel does very well in the chapter. You know, it's kind of like, well, it's um, conservatives are these neocons. They have, they have a tendency to just hijack Reagan. Um, you know that they, that that God's on their side. You know, something like that. And liberal, you know, God doesn't like liberals or something like this. But um, God, in the sense of religion, um, I think the neo the the neocons or you know these conservatives um, have a tendency to try to promote religion too much in in the politic. In that, um, I think he was trying to convey in the chapter, and I think he did it well. And I'm not doing a good a, a good service to the chapter, but. But, you know, this idea that conservatives are kind of monolithic and, and Neanderthal or knuckle-dragging, um, um, there's some truth to this, what, he, what he's saying. There's a, there's a tendency, I think, where the, the, the ones that are conservative or claiming they're conservative um, are promoting too much of a religious agenda in the in the politic. Um, I think the best example of this is nine eleven, right after nine eleven. There's certain things that I disagree with Lionel on nine eleven, but I'll, I'll get to it later in subsequent lectures. But he he, uh, at least with conservatives. 9-11 was, well, we got to ramp up, you know, God's with us and, you know, and we're going to kill the terrorists and, you know, God bless America and, you know, and then the Hitchens and the, and the four horsemen come out and, you know, basically say we're moving towards this 9-11 this reason to invade the Middle East and that this is kind of a crusade and that God's on our side and all this stuff. Well, the four horsemen... Sam Harris, Hitchens, Dawkins, and, and uh, Dennett were basically saying, whoa, wait a minute here. You know, we're using religion as a means to galvanize a nation on something that we aren't sure if we should be doing. And, you know, as we learn more about 9-11, you know, why was there a stand down? There were, you know, serious issues with the 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 story on the plane crash in Pennsylvania serious stories the explanation doesn't make sense on the actual crashing into the Pentagon nor does nor does the story on this the stand down why was there a stand down uh, from NORAD um, the falling of building seven and, and it seemed to be pre-wired in terms of being able to bring it down. And since it was a CIA and FBI building, I can see that maybe it was pre-wired. Um, but are all governmental buildings that are like that pre-wired um, as a some sort of secret deterrent? Um, I'm not sure, but it, it's fishy. <laughs> um, but in his in his chapter, you know, he's you know he's saying, well, we 
it, it, they're too dogmatic. These these neocons are too dogmatic. You know, it's about um, country patriotism. You know, I think 9/11 is the best example, at least uh, that I can think of in in, in contemporary thought where there was this galvanization of patriotism and this we need to have homeland security and the patriot act right after 9-11 and that we got to fight the terrorists and we got to erode the civil liberties and this is i think part of the reason why he would say that he hates conservatives um he does do he does do an analysis or kind of like a, a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing about well there's a spectrum you know you're either left or right right and you know conservatives are so far right and you know liberals are so far left and you know there's this if you are in the middle and you slightly move to the left or slightly move to the right you may be a little bit more conservative if you move to the right but if you move a little bit to the left from there what are you are you a liberal or are you are you a a uh, conservative um you know it gets it gets fuzzy so I think he conveyed it in a very funny way that life and these 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 um, these issues are um, these issues are uh, fuzzy there's the fuzzy logic to it there isn't such a thing as uh, it's not very deontological it's not very cut and dry some of these things you may be a little bit liberal on some issues and a little bit conservative on others um and i think that that like this this was when he was being interviewed by uh, uh jason Lyo satos um which was an interesting was an interesting um one hour or so interview um So when he, he he did a little shot over the bow with with liberals, you know, with liberals there seems to be, especially lately with the Trump campaign and the Hillary and Sanders campaign. I think his shot over the bow with the liberals are well. If you have free speech and it hurts my feelings, I should curtail your free speech. Um, so. It, it he you know he's conveying in, in the chapter that these liberals don't realize that they're becoming more and more Mao like a, a Maoist kind of totalitarian system by trying to curtail your curtail your your uh, freedom of speech because they feel offended um, or the curtailment of the Second Amendment, or what about the curtailment of, of, of um, uh, you know, proper search and seizure clauses? Um, the, you know, they're, the, these liberals are, well, we want gun control or uh, abolishment of the Second Amendment. We want to curtail your freedom of speech, you know, because we feel hurt and we need safe spaces and you know your guns are you know a danger to society and oh by the way you know uh, if Big Brother thinks that you're you're a criminal then we should be able to um, surveil you and stuff like this so I think the liberals 
have created this environment where um, civil liberties are being seriously challenged. Um, and hopefully we have a backbone as a nation to stand up and protect those civil liberties. And that's why we need to have the Second Amendment to be able to protect those civil liberties. Now, in terms of um, the conservatives, um, they, you know, they've also curtailed the 14th, uh, is it the, I think it's the Fourth Amendment, um, basically the search and seizure aspect of it. Um, you know, no, no um, reason for improper surveillance of the society. This is where I think they went wrong right after 9-11 with the, the pursuant of the Patriot Act. And this idea that we need to be safe as a country and therefore to be safe we have to give up our, our civil liberties. I disagree with that. I'd much rather have civil liberties have and to be less safe because I don't think really if you analyze it statistically that these risks that they're talking about warrant billions, hundreds of billions of dollars worth of taxpayer money to fund these these systems, these agencies um, where, where um, you know, we're, we're actually getting anything out of it. I have a hard time believing that, and he writes this in the, in the, in the chapter, that terrorists, we, we, through the conservative movement, we've been told that we have to take it to the terrorists and actually, you know, fight in the Middle East so they don't come here to fight. And most of them probably would have, would have never been able to, they've never been on a ship or never sailed the seven seas, right? So they probably get seasick. Um, second of all, uh, you're not going to be able to really mass, you know, major terrorist, um, a sustained terrorist attack on the United States by people just slowly titrating into the United States uh, through, through um, planes landing and then having these, these cells, this, these terrorist cells um, coalesce and then eventually strike. I, whatever they do, it's going to be minuscule. It's going to be something similar to, um, you know, uh, insect insect bite or something to a, a larger from the larger society. For example, nine eleven was a bad thing, obviously, but we could have a nine eleven every year, and economically, it wouldn't really hurt the nation that much. Um, and not only that, as a nation, it would probably galvanize to actually truly solve the problem instead of just putting a band-aid on it in the Middle East. And uh, so this idea that you know that we have to prevent another 9/11 um, and curtail your civil liberties from the conservative side, I think is just wrong. Um, first of all, I don't think the risk is there. And second of all, I think that our government, liberal or conservative, 
but just the way the government is run through the CIA and you know covert operations through many decades, and Chomsky writes a lot about this, that we have overextended our reach and we have created instability in in the world, and um, you know a big part of that instability has been, at least in contemporary terms, has been through the neocon movement. Um, but um, I think in the, the context, because this was written in 2008, if you put what he was writing about conservatives, God's guns and gold, and, you know, this, um, you know, patri over-patriotism and uh, country music and, and NASCAR kind of philosophy, and that if you're not, you know, against the terrorists, you're not American, and, you know, if you're not going to be fighting in the Middle East, you're, you know, or not for the Patriot Act, you must be a terrorist. Um, that kind of, you know, hardcore, dogmatic, conservative is just wrong for the country. And I think that he, he presents that in a, in a funny way um, well. But there's also a pernicious activity that's going on, a pernicious... Um, um, soup boiling in the the liberal movement where they're trying to curtail a lot of your you know a lot of your civil liberties um, but the neocons were curtailing our civil liberties too in terms of Patriot Act now so they're si they're similar in, in ways the reality is is that the political establishment uh, either Democratic or Republican super liberal or you know neocon um, are basically affected by the lobbying group. And this is where I think there's this, this groundswell that's going on in this election cycle where people are just fed up with the income inequality and the lack of uh, prosperity for all individuals and this, this almost like hubris aspect of of uh, globalization and, and, and uh, an uber government and um, trade deals that Congress doesn't even get involved with. I mean, this is just kind of, it's very anti-American. At least I, that's how I would describe it as anti-American. And, you know, Lionel would say, well, you know, because of, you know, the Monroe Doctrine, you know, where, you know, we should, you know, there, there's a case that United States should take over the Western Hemisphere or whatever, um, but he—he's a libertarian, so a, a true libertarian. So he's, you know, he's probably saying, you know what, you know, less government is better government. Um, so I think that there, there's going to be a localization. That, that uh, there's going to be a need to to retreat from globalization, and the multinationals don't want to hear this. So they're going to constantly be funding individuals that are for a, a trade deal, globalization, free trade, um, uber government um, type candidate versus candidates that are starting to come out, out of the system that... that are really our localization, not globalization. So I thought his chapter on, you know, he hates conservatives, make, you know, makes sense. What he basically is saying is, is that 
there is a there there is um, some issues with with the the neocons um, and that that, that ultra patriotism and um, yeah remember you know he was writing this during the Bush administration before Lehman so it's you know we're ramped into the Middle East and that whole patriotism and not paying attention to um, situations on the ground and how we got there through you know this whole 9-11 thing and then as we're understanding more and more about 9-11 how of a a falsehood um, the story that they gave to the American public was and how you know what's amazing is is how the media was actually involved in this conspiracy or this this um, this manufactured consent is is as Chomsky would say, of promoting the war on terror. So that's kind of the frame from that's this the the temporal ingredient that was going on when he wrote the book. Now you can extrapolate that to now, and um, you know where the liberals are getting a little too crazy with the infringement of of, of civil liberties and trying to talk down peaceful demonstrations or peaceful rallies for for candidates such as as Trump um, these you know the black lives movement is trying to shut down the the, the these peaceful dem demonstrations or peaceful rallies and it there's there's strife that, that takes place between them um, there's a lot of pen up anger on both sides of the spectrum and um, maybe perhaps the way maybe you know saying I hate conservatives and or they you know someone else says I hate liberals is with part of the problem um, you know the realization that there's there's too much dogma and and you know this this country needs something a little bit more constitutional you know um, we need to think in terms of, of the Constitution, but it goes back to what he was saying. In the Constitution, things are implicit and explicit, and, and when things are um, implicit, there is room for error or room for interpretation. So, um, the next chapter that I'll be reading, I haven't read it yet, and I'll do a little quick video on it. My, you know, my take on it um, is professional wrestling changed my life. So again, this is kind of like a philosophical, funny book to read. Um, it's a lot easier to digest than, let's say, a Hitchens book where it's um, a little bit more Socratic. Um, but thank you for listening, and you can reach me at my YouTube uh, channel, or you can follow me on Twitter, which is Paul Cottrell. And uh, you can follow me at my website, which is www.the-studio-reykjavik.com. So thank you for listening and have a nice day.